This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, April 13th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. All right, Brad, a lot of news to talk about today. There's a big announcement yesterday uh, from Warner Brothers Discovery about a new streaming service. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, I first wanted to turn our attention to the world of Marvel Studios. And uh, there are two things in particular that I wanted to discuss on that front. Uh, the first is a casting, a piece of casting news that came out, which is that uh, Mia Goth, who has appeared in movies like, oh, gee, uh, let's see, X and Pearl and... Uh, she was also in A Cure for Wellness, and she's going to be in the upcoming Maxine movie. Uh, she was recently in, why do I never remember the name of the movie that uh, Brandon Cronenberg directed? Infinity Pool. Wow, just completely <laughs> uh, slipped out and came back in. Anyway, uh, she is going to be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in an unknown role, she's going to be starring in the Blade movie opposite uh, Mahershala Ali, who is still attached to play Blade. That movie has uh, gained and lost, I think, some writers and directors uh, over the you know ever since it was announced. But it seems to be in a decent place uh, moving forward now, and actually like ramping up the casting a little bit. Um, I think Delroy Lindo is another person who's also in this movie. So uh, Mia Goth in the MCU now. Uh, what do you make of this, Brad? I mean, this is great. I, I wish we knew who she was playing, but uh, Mia Goth has enjoyed uh, such an upward climb in a pretty short period of time, uh, you know, largely thanks to her horror performances. Putting her in something like Blade, you know, adds a touch of horror uh, credibility, I think. And it feels like Marvel, you know, definitely wants to lean more into the horror genre with Blade. So uh, I think I think that's a smart move for them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I would love to actually see her as a vampire, but um, I think uh, Eric Vespi, who wrote up the article for us at Slash Film, um, said that there's some sort of um, internet scuttlebutt that uh, a name that has been tossed around as like a potential candidate for her to play is this character called Lilith, who is a fallen angel and an ally to people like Mephisto and, and other demons in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the, the pages of Marvel Comics anyway. Um, and so this character has like historically been on the side of Dracula and the the sort of evil vampires of the the world. So uh, she could be playing this Lilith character. She could be playing, like I said, just a, a straight up vampire. I mean, she has like incredible range and and um, like you said, most of her work has been or most of the sort of high profile stuff she's been in has been horror related or horror adjacent. But uh, but man, I, I feel like. She, Pearl, I was really blown away by 
what she did in that movie. And that made me feel like there's a whole other gear to Mia Goth that we probably haven't seen yet. Whether or not we're actually going to see it in a, in a Marvel Studios movie uh, remains to be seen, of course. But um, what do you think about the idea that like, oh, this is another person off the table who's like probably going to be sucked up into the MCU machine for the next X number of years? Does that bother you at all any anymore, Brad? Or are you just sort of like, uh, you know, shrugging your shoulders and like that's the reality of of the blockbuster landscape that we're living in today yeah i mean it's it's not like it's going to keep her busy so that she can't do other things you know tons of the other marvel actors even the ones who have had the largest roles in the universe have still been able to do other movies in between like it's not like they're like marvel is just constantly you know keeping them busy the entire time so like Mm -hmm. uh if anything you know these kinds of roles are are good for these uh actors like mia goth like that because it gives them the opportunity to you know get a, a larger paycheck you know something that will help sustain their their career for a longer time period so that they can go back and do other stuff that maybe otherwise uh wouldn't you know pay them as much or like sustain you know their uh their livelihood as good as a marvel paycheck does so yeah sure it might be frustrating that like some of her time will be spent doing these other movies but like this is the the business part of show business you know so it's, it's frustrating but it's it's a necessary evil yeah, and I think she's just yeah, like you know, this is in some ways the least surprising casting announcement uh, you know in a long time because she just so seems so perfect for uh fitting that mold that Kevin Feige and, and the folks at Marvel love to do, which is like plucking sort of up and coming um you know, younger stars who have like uh, exhibited tons of talent in um you know, in, in other genres or whatever and just like uh shaping them and molding them and, and dropping them into the perfect uh, fit for whatever they're doing in the MCU. So, um, as yeah, like you said, there, there's multiple ways to think about this, but I'm, I'm choosing to be excited about the fact that Mia Goth is joining, uh, blade because I feel like that's a, a really cool use of her talents. So, um, fingers crossed that she's also able, like you said, to sort of keep going with some of the more potentially interesting stuff as well. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the Marvel's trailer. I don't think you and I have discussed this at all. What, uh, this came out a day or two ago, I think. Um, what, what do you, what do you think about this trailer? So this trailer I had actually already seen, uh, months ago because this is pretty much the exact same trailer that they played at D23 last year. When, oh, I didn't uh, realize that. Okay. Yeah. When they had their big presentation. Uh, so I pretty much seen, uh, all, all this footage. Um, but it's, you know, it, it still looks great to me and I'm excited to see, I feel like there's a great, uh, fun dynamic between, um, uh, Brie Larson and Amon Vellani and Tiona Paris, uh, as the three titular Marvels. And I think there's a lot of potential here to do something really cool. You know, there is a little bit of a, I think, uh, a potential struggle simply because, uh, you know, a lot of people might think that they may have need to have watched Ms. Marvel before really jumping onto this because they have no frame of reference for who this character is if they haven't mm-hmm. watched the, uh, TV series. But I hope that the movie does a good job of, uh, addressing that without you know necessarily forcing you to watch Ms. Marvel, even though I think you absolutely should watch Ms. Marvel because it is one of uh, the better shows that Marvel has done for Disney Plus uh, since they started doing them. But but yeah, I, I think that um, this is going to be pretty cool, and uh, I'm yeah I'm just excited to see what the uh, the dynamic is like between these three characters when they get together. Yeah, I like the idea of of uh, Nia DaCosta coming in and and um, taking over this franchise, and I, I really really enjoyed Ms. Marvel for the most part. I, th- I think I had a few qualms with it here or there, but like overall, I think that's probably my favorite of the MCU shows that that have been released to date. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that character. Really, I think she brings such a like a fun, infectious energy, and and sometimes the MCU can be, uh, you know, it's always quippy. It's always um, mostly pretty light and fun, but um, occasionally it can get a little dour. And I think 
the first Captain Marvel movie w- was not quite as quippy as some of the other things. And that's, that's fine for these projects to have different tones and all that stuff. Not every single one has to have, you know, X number of jokes in it or whatever, but like the, the um, introduction of, uh, of Ms. Marvel into this um, framework, this existing dynamic, I think will bring a sort of jolt of energy to this project that I, I feel like this, uh, I guess, sub franchise within the MCU um, needs, or, or at least could could benefit from in a, in a significant way. So, were there any moments that, in particular, that from this trailer that stuck out to you, Brad? Uh, for me, I kind of like the the visualization and like the consequences that come from when they use their powers and when they get exchanged. I think that that's that's ripe for like uh, comedy and a cool exploration of seeing how these characters, you know, get out of these situations that they literally suddenly find themselves thrust into. Um, but for me, like I, ju- I just like the vibe overall of the trailer, yeah, especially you know it's it's a great use of um, of Beastie Boys in this trailer, uh, which I, I think that. It- not only like delivers like a, a the right tone for it, but like they also did a cool thing where they like uh, I always love when they take a song and they use like uh, orchestral flourishes to like mm-hmm. enhance it so that it fits within the like the the vibe of the whatever you know media they're using it for, and they do some cool stuff with that in this trailer. Yeah, yeah. The um, uh, Kamala Khan's family, who I really loved and and cherished in that show, uh, is uh, evidently a, a big part of this movie. So I, I loved seeing them. Um, that stood out to me. I, I actually liked her. Um, reaction to goose the uh flirkin uh, cat alien creature when um she ends up in that hallway and and goose basically like eats those guys in front of her and she sort of looks at it and screams like that's that's the type of um realistic reaction that a person would have in that scenario I think. yeah um so i was happy to see that uh I- i'm curious though like one thing this this trailer doesn't really get into at all is the idea of the scrolls which is something that um that Marvel seems to be tapping into a little bit with Secret Invasion, the upcoming show, and they definitely tapped into it in the original Captain Marvel movie. And this franchise, I feel like because of that, is sort of um, uh, uniquely positioned for a a sort of gotcha reveal in this movie in a way that most other Marvel Studios projects aren't. Like, I could definitely see a third act situation where you know, characters, somebody says like, oh my God, this person was actually this person the whole time. You know, like there's, there's a sense of like um, Mission Impossible, like pulling the mask off kind of thing because the scrolls have been established in, uh, in, I guess this corner of the MCU. So do you think that this movie is going to be interested in, in doing any sort of scroll stuff like that? Or do you think that, um, uh, I guess a topic or, or what have you is going to be sort of shuffled off into secret invasion. And that's where they're going to be pu- putting their focus on that. I mean, if anything, uh, I guess was, when does secret invasion come out again? Um, does it have a release date? It, ju- that- it, ju- it just got one with the most recent trailer. It, uh, so it comes out in June. So yeah. So I, if anything, probably not because secret invasion now comes out in June and captain Marvel or the Marvels got pushed back to November. Uh, then I think that we'll probably see all the scroll stuff that, you know, would uh, tie into that, you know, reveal in, in Secret Invasion. Mm. So so the Marvels, maybe there'll be some scroll stuff uh, in it, or maybe the, there'll be the, the, the repercussions of what happens in Secret Invasion will be felt in the Marvels. But, mm. but yeah, so I, I don't think so. Okay. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the Warner Brothers Discovery big announcement and, and projects from yesterday. 
All right, Brad, let's get into it. Yesterday, there was a hour and 15 minute long uh, public presentation from David Zaslav and the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery announcing uh, a, a new streaming service that is sort of a, a combination of things that previously uh, previously have existed and, and currently exist. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's just going to be streaming all episodes of Step by Step 24 7. So it's a bold move, but I think that uh, companies are really getting into just like going all in on certain shows. So yeah, I feel so like Step Plus is the name of the, the streaming service. Huh? Yeah, they're going to take it. They're going to take it step by step, day by day. So, <laughs> no, uh, there's a, a new quote unquote streaming service called Max, uh, and it will be combining HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Uh, this is something we'd heard about for a while. Uh, ever since there was a big corporate merger. And uh, the, the best approach, I guess, is to take all of the content from both streaming services and put it into one, even though Discovery Plus will remain its own separate thing because I guess the subscriptions for Discovery Plus are lucrative enough that they don't want to fold it into uh, Max and potentially lose people who only want the content from Discovery Plus, whoever those people might be who are enjoying <laughs> 90 Day Fiance and, and you know, whatever house swapping shows are happening over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's called Max. Uh, they, you know, they, they ditched the HBO of it, which a lot of people were kind of making fun of yesterday since HBO is kind of the prestige part of that streaming service and has a lot of clout behind it and you know max being kind of tied to the idea of cinemax even though i don't think that's really the the impetus for what the actual name of the service rather just meant to like signify just like maximum entertainment like you know this is supposed to be like the one place that has anything and everything people want to watch so mm-hmm. um but yeah so it's uh, there it will pretty much be the same uh, as as hbo max just with the addition of discovery plus uh, programming. It's going to keep the same uh, price model. There will be a, an ad um, ad light, ad supported uh, subscription for $9.99 a month or $100 a year, which will allow two concurrent streams, 1080p resolution uh, and uh, 5.1 surround sound. There will be a, an ad free level, which will allow the exact same thing along with the ability to have 30 offline downloads of whatever movies or TV shows that you want to have uh, on your phone without having to be connected to Wi-Fi or, or whatever you know device you're watching HBO Max uh, material on, and then they introduced a new tier um, that's their, called their Ultimate Ad Free, uh, and there's not really a difference as far as the the advertising. Uh, but what it is is you'll get four concurrent streams, you'll get uh, up to 4K UHD resolution, Dolby Atmos sound quality, and a hundred offline downloads that you'll be able to use. So they're basically making you pay more. Uh, to get higher quality streams and to the ability to download more stuff to your device. Yeah, I think Netflix has the same thing in terms of like, I, th- I think the price point there is $19.99 for 4K. Yeah. And Netflix did the same thing not long ago, or maybe it was like a year or two ago now, um, where they also charge $19.99 a month for 4K stuff. Um, the downloads thing, like the limitations on the downloads is interesting. I, I don't know if any other major streaming service has like, made that a part of its um, package almost or like uh, a part of its selling points or something like look how many things you could download I'm sure there's limitations on the other ones but I don't think they've ever like actually come out and like openly said what they were as part of like a yeah like a selling point kind of thing so that was fascinating but yeah so Max um, is going to launch on May 23rd Um, if you are an existing uh, HBO Max subscriber, uh, you will get access to Max at the, the same price of your current subscription. Um, you'll still have access to your current plan features for a minimum of six months following the launch. And uh, your profile settings, watch history, 
and your continue watching and my list uh, items will all migrate over to, to Mac. So you won't have to like reset up your profile and add a bunch of movies to your, your streaming list or, or anything like that. So yeah, as a as a current HBO Max subscriber, I'm happy to hear about that. Um, yeah. I am one, one thing I'm curious about, and I don't think that they've addressed yet, is I, I don't know if uh, deals that HBO Max had with um, like uh, AT and T are going to port over because like there are cert- there were certain AT and T um, mobile provider deals where HBO Max was included with your uh, your mobile phone plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's currently what what we have is our HBO Max is is not a separate subscription we pay for. It's included as part of our phone plan. And I wonder if this now being Max and not HBO Max means that will no longer be the case or if it will just migrate over the same way that, you know, HBO Max and all of its stuff is or what. Yeah, I'm wondering the same thing because I sort of got grandfathered in for uh, HBO Max where I subscribe to like my cable is through DirecTV Stream and they basically just said like, okay, we'll throw in HBO Max for you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm in a very similar boat and I'm, I'm curious if that's going to also, uh, if that rule is going to apply or whatever in, in, in that in the sort of um, hand over there. Um so you mentioned people sort of making fun of the the name. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on the name and like whether or not this actually makes sense for them, or or what, what do you think about that? What's your take on that? It seems a little odd to distance yourself from HBO. Their explanation was that they still wanted HBO to feel like it had the prestige that it always has by keeping HBO its own thing, and that's I guess that's fine. But like for me, the name Max is just so generic. Like uh, I, I just feel like there's got to be like some kind of better name there for them to come up with because it's just not the kind of thing that, that pops, you know? Um, so I, just from a marketing standpoint, the name Max just feels like crap to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. On one level, I agree with you. It is like a, a boring, bland name that sounds like nothing, but on another, I kind of see where they're coming from because you know, the, the idea that discovery plus, which is stuff, stuff that I just like don't watch and don't really have any interest in, but millions and millions of people do the idea of discovery plus being, um, you know, incorporated into this, I think the HBO name can like actually scare people off in, in some corners there are, you know, like ultra conservative folks who are like, you know, HBO is all, uh, nudity and swearing. And I don't want any of that in my (laughs) streaming service. I just want to watch, you know, reality TV about house hunters or whatever it is, you know? Um, so the idea of like them taking HBO out of the name, uh, out of the title of the streaming service, I guess makes sense on that front where it's just like, um, you know, here, this is a, a safe place for everybody to watch stuff that they want. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the on the other other hand, the, like the idea of like distancing yourself from like the premier brand in uh, television entertainment for the past 30 years or whatever, just kind of seems a little silly on the face of it. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I wonder if we're going to hear any more or if this is going to be like a um, like a quickster situation where remember when Netflix tried to, um, to spin off uh, part of its business into a company called quickster that just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. completely uh, shit the bed and they ended up walking that back very quickly. So I wonder if max is going to be a name that sticks around or if they're going to actually, you know, end up changing that or something because uh, it doesn't work as well as they think. But anyway, uh, 
topics for the future. But um, let's talk a little bit more about all of the announcements that came along with the details that were revealed in that presentation yesterday. So um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Brad, is that uh, I talked about this with uh, with Jacob when this news, I guess, leaked out officially a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks early from from this um, this confirmation announcement yesterday. But uh, Harry Potter is being rebooted as a TV show. This is official now, and they said that it's going to span ten years with uh, a brand new cast, and they're just redoing the books. So we we talked about this with Jacob. But I mentioned in that conversation with him that I think you, Brad, I, I have a memory of you from years ago saying that you would love to see these books adapted into a long form TV show. Am I am I remembering that correctly? Was that a, a viewpoint that you held a while ago? Gosh, it might have been. I, I know that one thing that I have been a champion for for a long time is doing a TV series based on the original Order of the Phoenix uh, and the rise of Voldemort for the first time, uh, because that's something that they haven't. Uh, really done in a an in-depth manner, uh, either in the movies or Fantastic Beasts or anything like that. So I thought that would have been cool. Mm. Um, but but yeah, but I mean, like uh, in theory, I like the idea of it. What I what I don't like, and what I, I suspect you know some other people won't like, is the fact that uh, it's something that J.K. Rowling has to be heavily involved in, um, and that that's going to be a little bit frustrating, uh, especially since it's going to be something that will be part of the pop culture zeitgeist for at least a decade. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, like the other thing that's frustrating about this is it just feels too soon to do a reboot like this. Uh, like, sure, it's been about, uh, it's been over 20 years now since Sorcerer's Stone uh, hit theaters, but it's only been like uh, 11 years since the Harry Potter franchise actually ended. And so they're going to tell the exact same story again. They're going to make it a lot longer. They're touting a more, quote, faithful adaptation uh, to the book. So it means they'll include a bunch of stuff that they couldn't in the movies because a lot of the books are longer and there's plenty of things they couldn't include in the movies. But like when, when they announced it, it didn't seem like that they were, pinpointing anything or making it feel like it was anything that was going to be distinct from the movies like they used the iconography from the movies to introduce like the the concept of the series just existing like they used mm-hmm. the, the 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 silhouette of hogwarts that you know uh, everyone knows now and is like a big part of universal studios there's two theme parks and so now they're going to try and completely redefine the harry potter iconography that they created you're going to have to give a, a whole new vibe of the the Wizarding World, completely recreate it if you're going to do an actual hard reboot, um, and a, a whole new cast. So like, there's there's just so much that they have to do that will overhaul the stuff that they seem like we're going to rely on to be part of their brand, you know, for years, but with an entirely new approach. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm wondering if they're actually not going to take a new approach. And because of the theme park, um, the sort of pot committed nature of the theme parks and stuff like that that you've mentioned and, the, and sort of um, the, the power of that iconography and like how recognizable it is across, you know, all these generations now, um, if they're just going to basically put people, new actors in the same costumes and the same, not literally the same sets, but like, pretty close to it and use the John Williams score and like, you know, recreate, like have Hogwarts look exactly the same and really just like lean into the aesthetic familiarity of what people already know and just have it be different kids walking around the hallways that maybe like they turn some corners and go into some different rooms that you didn't see in the movies or whatever, but like everything else kind of looks the same. What would you, what would you think about that? Uh, I would think that that would be one of the laziest reboots that they, could ever possibly do like there's just uh barely any effort there in doing that if, if they're going to just use all of the you know 
old sets or like and not really change much about the the aesthetic uh that would that would that would make me far less interested uh in this in this series and i'm already on the fence about it yeah i think yeah it just it it you know unless they have plans to expand the theme parks further um i don't know it just kind of seems like that would be and, and because of like the the purely craven nature of this announcement right like you said it's it hasn't really been that long they're clearly doing this because david zaslav has said we want to just mine the ips that we have for as you know as much as possible to like make as much money as possible like th- there's no there's no creative reason why they're doing this except to maybe you could argue that like oh there's more stuff that got cut out of the of the movies that we want to really explore but like on the face of it, this is like a financial decision, right? So um, that that uh, sort of, um, I don't know, like transparent nature of why this is happening does not lead me to believe that they're going to take any creative risks with this version. So I don't know, maybe I'll be wrong. Um, I'm just like kind of pre-exhausted at the idea of this being the next 10 years or, you know, 10 years from two years from now or whenever this thing actually comes out um, of just JK Rowling's involvement and like us having to be like, okay, this is why she sucks. And like, you know, if every, in every single article and like every time we talk about this, we're just constantly having these, um, you know, caveats to this conversation. It's just like, so God, could, could they not have picked like another property or something instead? But um I guess there's there's money left on the table uh in their view with harry potter so um yeah. they're gonna do whatever they can to cash in so um all right one thing that that does not surprisingly did not feel like a, a cash in that could have is the penguin trailer which uh they, they showed a sort of you know half trailer half first look some like behind the scenes footage of uh the penguin show that is coming to max now uh that has colin farrell and it's the, the spinoff of uh the batman the matt reeves movie that came out last year and you know, when this was first announced, I, I think in, in, you know, part of my brain anyway, it was just kind of like, okay, I guess they're, they're expanding this. They're, you know, this is like another sort of purely IP driven kind of thing. Um, is there really a creative reason to, to get into this? Are they just doing this for like pure branding reasons, whatever. Um, but this, the footage that I saw in this trailer, I, I was actually like pleasantly surprised by, I, I don't really, I'm not super familiar with the, um, the folks who are running this show. It's, it's not Matt Reeves. I think he's on, it's like an executive producer or something. Um, but I was kind of like, Oh, okay. There, there actually does seem to be a reason for making the show, like a creative reason for making the show. So, um, did you have any thoughts about the, the Penguin trailer? No, I mean I'm very excited about this just because Colin Farrell is one of the best parts of the Batman, and if he's doing something like this, then it, it had to a- appeal to him. You know, uh, Colin Farrell has done immensely interesting things uh, in the past decade or so. Uh, you know, using his career to not be, you know, a typical leading man, even though Hollywood desperately tried to, to make him that uh, at, at one point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to see him uh, playing Penguin like this, doing doing a, a crime series focusing on him. And yeah, it feels like it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing how it turns out. They also announced a new Game of Thrones show, a new prequel series called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, uh, The Hedge Knight, which is based on the Duncan Egg stories, which I think we've talked about on this podcast before. They've been sort of 
of batting this around as a possible idea for a show for a little while now, several years. Um, and so they confirmed that. We don't know who's involved other than George R. R. Martin is executive producing. Uh, we don't have any casting or anything like that yet. But um, there's another, I guess, because House of the Dragon performs so well for HBO Max um, and, and HBO, I guess it's like, well, you know, it, it's, it was only a matter of time before they announced another one. Um, I think in the fandom, this is like a... Uh, a welcome announcement. I think a lot of people are excited about this particular story being told. Um, and I, I kind of agree. I, I was not like a huge fan. I was not bowled over by the the book, uh, this A Night of the Seven Kingdoms book, which collects, I think it's three novellas that tell these stories about this wandering knight and his like young kid partner, basically. Um, I, I was not bowled over by the book, but I do think that there's a lot of... Uh, potential opportunity there to explore other areas of Westeros and like other um, aspects of this and sort of like a ground level, uh, um, you know, version of a show where it's not all um, political uh, conniving and backstabbing and like uh, palace intrigue. And it's much more like, you know, uh, dirty, grimy, like wandering from one place to another, like participating in, in tourneys and jousts and all that kind of stuff. And it's a little bit more like, um, yeah, like down, uh, you know, on, on ground level. So I'm excited about the, the prospect of like a, a, a different type of Game of Thrones show. Um, and maybe that will, if that performs well, that will allow them to use that, that world of Westeros as like a, a backdrop for a bunch of different type of stuff and like uh, encourage them to take more creative risks. And, and as long as it's set in that world, maybe people will be more willing to buy into it. So um, I, I don't think you finished Game of Thrones, Brad, or, or you're not like, do you have any thoughts about this at all? No, I think personally for me, what I would rather see is uh, a knight at the Roxbury. Uh, and I do mean knight with a K where they do a kind of time travel story where a knight ends up in modern day Los Angeles and meets up with the Butabi brothers and starts clubbing with them. Um, that's that's what I would like to see. <laughs> you and I both. Um, that would be amazing. Okay. Did you watch the True Detective Night Country trailer? Actually, I don't think we've talked about true detective or if we have it's been a long time the, the third season came out in 2019 i don't really remember that being a big point of discussion on this podcast but um what, what are your true detective thoughts i guess broadly before we get into talk about this trailer so i only ever watched the first season which is uh i, I would say probably definitively the best season out of all of the true detective seasons they've done and i never uh watched the second season or the third season just because uh, i always kind of heard that they never really measured up to that that first season mm -hmm. um I, this trailer is the first time that i've seen something where i've been like oh you know what this this might actually work out i like the idea of seeing jodie foster in a role like this again it has echoes of silence of the lambs um and so th this one i think i might actually tune in to see how how it works because i i just i that alone has me uh interested in it more than i was in any of the previous uh iterations after the first season yeah i think th there was some potential for the other season the season two and three to link back to the sort of grand conspiracy that would that unfolded in season one and they didn't really do that i feel like there may have been like a couple nods and winks to some of those events but um, this, the trailer for True Detective Night Country uh, specifically involves a symbol, a, a sort of circular symbol that had, that appeared um, very prominently in season one. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, it's the symbol. <laughs> like people were like losing their mind seeing this again. So that leads me to believe that they might actually um, more directly connect the events of season one, season one and season four um, together now. So I'm, I'm curious to know like if they actually go through with that or if it's it's more just like oh this takes place broadly in the same 
you know, the same universe type of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. The, the premise, I think, is like two detectives uh, try to solve the disappearance of six men uh, up in Alaska somewhere who are like on a, a base or something. So it reminded me a little bit of like the thing kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely curious to see what happens with True Detective Night Country. I'm going to link to the trailer for that in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, they announced a new Conjuring TV show. There's trailers for the sympath uh, the sympathizer, the regime, which is a new um, Kate Blaine, uh, I'm sorry, Kate Winslet show. Uh, Gremlins: Secrets of the Mogwai trailer, which really the animation on that looks pretty bad, like a PlayStation 2 cutscene or something. Uh, and then Ryan Scott wrote an article about why Max dropped the HBO name and why this could be good for HBO. So I'm going to link to all that stuff in the show notes. The one last thing that I wanted to mention before we uh, wrap today's episode, Brad, is that the cast was revealed for DC's Creature Commandos. Um, did you have any standouts from this? Are you uh, excited to see what James Gunn does in animation in the world of DC? Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, because this is uh, a big part of the overhaul of the DC universe. Uh, and he's got a pretty compelling voice cast here. And as they have indicated, the the idea is that anyone who does a voice role in the new DC universe will also have that role in the live action DC universe. So we've got David Harbour, we've got Indira Varma, we've got Alan Tudyk, we've got Maria Bakalova, uh, Zoe Chow, and Frank Grillo uh, as part of the cast. And so I think that this you know has the potential to be really cool, especially whenever those characters get incorporated into live action. Um, the, this is these are exactly the kind of characters that James Gunn uh, excels at. You know these kind of uh, out, outcast, you know ragtag group of misfits who uh, are all weird in their own way. The, this team also includes Weasel that we've seen in, in Suicide Squad. You know, so mm-hmm. this is yeah. I, I think that there's potential here. I'm I, I'm going to be. Curious pretty much about everything that uh, Gunn is doing with DC uh, right up until we, we see it. And I, I hope it all turns out. Yeah, the um, the concept art that they released for Creature Commandos, I, I like that animation style a lot. It reminds me of like, um, I don't know, like, uh, did you ever watch like uh, the new adventures of Johnny Quest? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, you know, it kind of has that like pulpy, like, you know, one of these characters, I'm not, I think, I think it's Rick Flagg Sr., who's voiced by uh, Frank Grillo, looks, you know, he's just got like this barrel chest and like, you know, ridiculous biceps. And like, um, there's just a, a vibe to this that kind of feels like this pulp uh, type of approach. And like one of the characters is Bride of Frankenstein. So like, you know, th- there's very much like, this is like a tongue in cheek type of thing. Um, and it has that sort of like, uh, high octane Saturday morning cartoon type of style to it um, that looks very different to than something like um, like Harley Quinn, which is a, another show that I love. Like the animation looks very different here, so yeah, uh, I'm curious. It has to see a it. has a very detailed comic book style animation to it, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, very curious uh, how that turns out, and um, I think the I think James Gunn wrote all seven episodes of this, and and it's already in production. So uh, I believe that is supposed to debut sometime next year if i recall correctly i don't think they have like a specific release date yet but creature commandos keep an eye out for that um okay i'm gonna yeah like i said i've linked to a ton of stuff here in the show notes so if you're curious about any of this if you want to watch any of the trailers that we talked about um there are links for all of that we actually did a trailer breakdown for the marvels if you want to read that as well uh and that's going to do it for today's episode of the show you can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on today's show of course at slashfilm.com slash film daily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please subscribe to our, our newsletter send your feedback questions comments concerns and mailback topics to us at peter at slash 
Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.